you would, grab a Bible, turn to Luke, the 23rd chapter. That's where we're going to begin our study this afternoon. Hopefully this morning was a reminder to all of us of the price that God paid to purchase our salvation. And that we don't take the salvation that we have in Christ for granted, that we don't diminish from it, but that we truly understand what Jesus was willing to do for us. This entire week, we're going to focus on that crucifixion account. And we're going to look at different individuals who were there that day at the cross, who gazed upon that dying Savior, and examine what was it that brought them there. Some were there just out of curiosity of what was going on outside the city of Jerusalem. Some were there because they had followed Jesus and they had heard His teaching and they had seen the miracles that He had performed and and they believed that He was the Son of God. But this afternoon, I want us to look at an individual who wasn't there. An individual that had a very key part in the betrayal and the crucifixion of Jesus. One of the most notorious individuals that we read of in the Scriptures. And he was the apostle who wasn't there. And his name was Judas. As we think about Judas, just the name alone sends shivers kind of up our spine, doesn't it? You know, as Elizabeth and I have had our children, we've thought about names of what would we name our sons, and Judas never crossed our mind. You wonder why? Because that name is always going to be associated with what? With a betrayer, with a liar, with a thief, with a devil. But today I want you to understand that at one time, Judas was a beloved disciple of Jesus Christ. Judas was not a devil from the beginning. Judas was not one that Satan had put in place to operate and to fulfill his scheme. Nor was Judas a puzzle piece or a chess piece that God manipulated to bring about the death of Jesus But at one time, Judas was that beloved disciple, but through the course of his experiences and the course of the decisions and choices that he made, he found himself in a position to betray the Son of God. And this afternoon, we're going to look at that one disciple who was missing. The apostle who became the apostate. Look at Luke chapter 23. As we begin the study this afternoon, I want you to start there with me in about, in about verse 44. It says, And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend My spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breast and returned. And all his acquaintance and the women that followed him from Galilee stood afar off, beholding these things. Yet eerily absent is Judas. Judas had betrayed his Lord with a kiss. You think about what a kiss signifies. It signifies a close relationship, doesn't it? 
It signifies a level of comfort and intimacy within that relationship and with this token of gratitude and intimacy in a relationship, Judas utilizes that as a signal of his betrayal to his Lord. Matthew chapter 26 verse 47 says, And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Did Jesus know what Judas had come to do? Jesus knew the plan. Jesus knew that one of his was going to betray him, and one of his had betrayed him. And as Judas approached with that mob, Jesus knew what was coming. And he asked that rhetorical question to Judas of why have you come? You see, he wasn't asking that question out of ignorance of himself, needing to find out an answer. He was asking the question so that Judas would begin to realize the gravity of the decision that he was making. And with that kiss, it was sealed. And with that kiss, it was too late. You see, Judas would not follow Jesus from that point. As we talked about this morning, there were those that from the arrest in that time began to follow and to look and and watch those things unfold. And they ultimately got to gaze upon that Savior dying on the cross. Judas would not be there. Matthew 27 and verse 1 says, When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put Him to death. And when they had bound Him, they led Him away and delivered Him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. That's a tragic ending, isn't it? But that's always going to be associated with Judas, isn't it? And when you think of Judas, you think of the betraying kiss. You think of a man desperately seeking something from this earth that he couldn't find fulfillment in. And you think of a man who went and took his own life while those closest to Jesus were where? Were watching their Savior. You know, Judas should have been there with the other disciples, shouldn't he? But because of his guilt and his shame over what he had done, he ran the other way. And he went and took his own life. You know, we deal with guilt in our life, don't we? Understanding the price that was paid by God to redeem us and that the only thing valuable enough that had the power to take away sins was the blood of Jesus. And I want you to understand today, each of us has a little bit of Judas within us or had at one time because we're all guilty of crucifying that Savior. 
And He died because of our sins. And because of our betrayal to God. The thing about Judas is, if he had only realized what he could have had, he could have been forgiven. You see, Judas was one of the twelve. Judas had been chosen not only by Jesus Christ, but by God Himself to serve in that position as one of the twelve apostles chosen to go out and to proclaim that the kingdom of God was at hand, preparing the way for the kingdom to come into existence. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1 says, And when He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. Now the name of the twelve apostles were these, the first Simon who is called Peter and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Labaius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed Him. You see, when we look at Jesus and His choosing of His disciples, He chose Judas. There was something good in Judas that God identified and that Jesus identified and said, you know what? You can handle the responsibility to go and to preach this message and I'm going to give you power. Power to do what? To heal all manner of illness. To go out and cast out unclean spirits. Just as Jesus Himself was able to do. He gave these men that ability. And He gave it to Judas. Because initially, Judas was not a bad man. Because he was one of the chosen twelve. Acts chapter 1 and verse 16 says, Men and brethren, this Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us, and had obtained part of this ministry. Stop there for a second. You know what? The other apostles recognized His place with them, didn't they? Not only did Jesus call Him as one of those apostles, but the other apostles themselves respected Judas and looked at Judas as one of them initially. And then it says, Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist, and all his bowels gushed out. We talked about Judas going and taking his life as a tragic ending, and then Acts chapter 1 gives us a little more vivid depiction, doesn't it? Of a man who had hanged himself and was there all alone, and had hanged there long enough that his body fell, and he hit the ground below. And his bowels burst asunder. It's not a pleasant thing to think about, is it? But I want you to understand where Judas started. Judas was a good man. Judas was an apostle who was chosen by Jesus Christ. And Judas was one who had part in the ministry of all those other apostles. And at one time, he would have been secure with God. There are a lot of people who will teach and and say that Judas was never saved to begin with or Judas never had a lot with God or had a relationship with God to begin with. And I would use these passages to show that he was respected by the other apostles. He was chosen by Jesus Christ. He was chosen by God to have a part in that ministry. Indicating that he was not bad from the beginning. But through decisions that he made and opportunities he had to betray Jesus, he took advantage of those things and his heart turned and was changed. 
See, go to Luke chapter 9. At one time, Judas happily followed. And you say, well, how do we know that? How do you know Judas happily followed Jesus? Go over to Luke chapter 9. And I want you to think about all the things that Jesus taught about discipleship. All the things that He taught about what it took to really follow Him. And who continued to walk with Him everywhere He went? Judas did. And in Luke chapter 9, I want you to pick up there in verse 57. It says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. How do we know Judas happily followed? Because he heard those teachings time and time and time and time again. And where did he go? He stayed there with Jesus. You know, Judas could have left any time he wanted to and just walked away. Jesus discouraged those that were insincere from following Him. Wasn't He honest about counting the cost? Wasn't He honest about what it meant to be a disciple and what they would have to give up to really follow Him? And Judas heard those teachings time and time again and Judas continued to walk and to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus never forced any disciple to follow Him. You remember back in John 6 as Jesus' teaching becomes a little bit more difficult and the crowds begin to walk away from Him? He turns to His disciples and He asks them what? Will you also go away? And Peter says, where would we go, Lord? Thou hast the words of life. But Jesus Himself asked them that question saying, you know what? You can leave any time you want to. Isn't that true today as well? Jesus didn't come and chain us and make us do this. Worship Him and serve Him with our life. He makes a free will offering. He says, if you want to, this is what you can do. And this is what I require of you. Guess what? Leave any time you want to. And as He asked those twelve that question, they had to really think and consider what it was they were going to have to give up to serve Jesus. And then I ask you this question. What would have motivated Judas to accept what required sacrifice with no material gain? What would have motivated Judas to do that? Unless he was wholly devoted to Christ at that time. Doesn't make sense, does it? If he was so eaten up with this world and the gratification of riches and those kind of things, he wasn't going to get them with Jesus. He would have walked away a long time ago. So what does that tell us about Judas? He was devoted to Christ. Initially, he was dedicated to doing what it was the Lord asked of his disciples. You know, Judas had the confidence of the apostles. Matthew 26 and verse 21 says, And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. You know what the next verse doesn't say? And everybody looked at Judas and pointed the finger and said, Judas is the one. (laughs) We all know it's him. You know why they didn't do that? Because they didn't know. Which tells us what? They trusted Judas. He was one of them. 
But every one of them began to say what? Lord, is it I? That's staggering to me. That these 12 men that were as close to Jesus as you could get, who had seen the miracles, who had heard the teachings, who had watched Him, everything He had done, they're in that upper room, and every one of them asked Jesus, Am I the betrayer? If I am, tell me. Which means they themselves didn't know who it was. Which tells us Judas had their confidence. Now, had Judas already began his plan to deceive and to betray? Yeah. Because earlier that week, Satan had entered into his heart. And the plan began to unfold. Another argument I want to present to you, and this one takes a little bit of logic with it. And I know we just had lunch and it's early in the afternoon, but I'm going to ask you, expend a little mental energy with me for this. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7, Jesus told His disciples, told His apostles to go and to preach, saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Then in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus cast out a demon and is charged by the Pharisees that He cast that demon out by what? By the power of Satan himself. And Jesus teaches a principle about this. In Matthew 12, verse 24, he says, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, The fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? What Jesus is essentially saying is, Why would Satan cast out Satan? That's foolish. If Satan has a foothold in someone's life, guess what Satan wants them to do? Keep going. He says because a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. That's just foolish, isn't it? And Jesus uses that logic with the Pharisees. Notice no one argued with His logic. Everyone said, that's right. That makes sense. They didn't openly admit that, but in their heart they couldn't argue it. Would Jesus have chosen a child of Satan to cast out Satan? Because remember back in Matthew 10, He gave Judas the power to what? To cast out demons. So then Jesus is going to go ahead and undermine what it is He taught in Matthew 12 by having a child of Satan, Judas, going out and casting out demons and other people? Or was Judas a sincere disciple at one time? Who Jesus gave that power to. Who He could utilize that to glorify God and to bring about the preaching of the kingdom coming into existence, which is what Jesus charged His disciples to do at that time. See, this idea that Judas was always an operative of Satan doesn't fit with plain teaching that Jesus gave us. But instead, what it shows us is that no matter how close you are to Jesus today, you could betray Him. And you could walk away from Him. And you could lose the salvation that you have today. Not because there's anything in this world that would come and take you, but you willingly could walk away from it. And what we see with Judas is a perfect example of that. 
that he lost his position with Christ because of the evil that came into his life and into his heart that he allowed to stay there and alter the choices and decisions that he began to make. Jesus himself said that Judas was one of his. John chapter 17, as Jesus prayed, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, have known surely that I come from thee, and they have believed that thou didst sent me. Guess who's included in these twelve that Jesus just prays about to His Father? Judas. He includes Him and says, He's one of mine. He's one of the ones you gave me. He's one of the ones that I have kept that are with me. But then a few verses down, guess what we find out? In verse 12. He says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. That means at one time, who did Jesus keep? He kept Judas as well, didn't He? Those that Thou gavest Me I have kept, and none of them is lost. Then we come to the exception. But the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Who's that son of perdition? That's Judas. But notice at one time, Jesus counted Judas as one of His, didn't He? He said, I've kept them. They all believed. But you know, something with that changed and there was an exception. Did Jesus lose Judas? He did. Did He do that because that was God's plan and God made that happen? Or did He lose Judas because Judas began to change in his heart and went down a different path than the one Jesus was on that led Him to the cross. You see, His own choices created the reality that Judas now had to live in. And Acts chapter 1 and verse 25 says that He may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. What caused Judas to fall from the ministry and the position that he held? It was his sin. And at one time, he didn't have that. But because of his sin and his transgression and his betrayal, guess what? He fell. He lost his apostleship. He lost his part in that ministry. He gave it up. For what? 30 pieces of silver. What's Jesus worth to you? So I'll tell you, we're critical of Judas, aren't we? How could you betray for 30 pieces of silver? Which at that time was a decent amount of money. But still, how many of us would sit here today and say, you know what, I'll betray the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver? (laughs) Would anybody? No. But we see individuals betray Jesus every day because of the sin that dominates their life. You may come sit in a church pew three times a week and guess what? You could still be betraying Jesus. Because it's not about coming and sitting on a pew. It's about what? It's about living a life that glorifies God every single day. Did Satan know Judas' weakness? 
Yeah. Is Satan a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour today? Does he know our weakness? Does he know the area of our life that we have left exposed that he could attack and try to get us to betray the Son of God? Certainly he does. Unless we be so puffed up with pride to say, I'll never betray you. We need to take heed of the example of Judas. And realize that we betray Christ in our life as well. And if you've betrayed the Son of God, and sin has come back into your life after that, you knew the truth, and you obeyed the gospel, and that sin has gotten a foothold again, and it's dominating your life, I want you to understand your soul and your salvation is in jeopardy. Because you can fall. And you can lose that estate that you had with Christ. You see, Judas at some point had become a petty thief. That's really where it started. John chapter 12 and verse 4 says, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag and bare what was put therein. You can see how Judas hides behind a very righteous idea. He says, we could have sold that ointment and gotten all this money and we could have given it to the poor. Did Judas have any intention of giving that money to the poor? Mm -mm. What was his intent? His intent was to put it in that bag that he was responsible for carrying that he had access to what? To pilfer from. And to get whatever he wanted. He was a thief. Satan knew his covetous heart. And that covetous heart led him to become that thief. Which led him ultimately to become the betrayer of Jesus Christ. Judas not only had become a thief, but he had become a devil. That's strong language, isn't it? You ever called somebody a devil? I'm not talking about you calling your kids that. Joking around with them, you little devil. Jeremy was called that a few times, I'd imagine, by Marlon. But Jesus called this man a devil. That's a strong accusation, isn't it? John 6 and verse 7, He says, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now this gives us some idea that, does, did Jesus know everything? Yes. He was God in the flesh. Which meant he still had the attributes of God, though he chose not to exercise certain attributes. To Why? Because he had to humble himself and become man. But Jesus knew the plan. Jesus knew what was happening. But just because God knows everything that's going to happen doesn't mean that He intercedes and interjects and makes those things come about or not. Because He's given mankind what? Free will. And when Judas was chosen, his heart was good. Though Jesus could step outside of that and see the entirety of the picture and say, but one of you is a devil. But even the other apostles didn't know who he was talking about yet. But then Judas's plan begins to crystallize. And his plan starts to kind of come into place. 
Luke chapter 22 and verse 3 says, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way. And I want you to stop here and think about this. Satan entered into the heart of Judas. Can Satan enter enter into our heart today? You bet he can. When we lust and we give in to temptation and we begin to think about things that we know are ungodly, that are unclean, that are impure, guess what Satan is doing? He is coming into our heart. And the longer we dwell and think on those things, guess what the more likely we are to do? To act upon them. So just because Satan came into the heart of Judas, guess what Judas always had the ability to do? To stand up and go a different direction. Because I believe God's promise to to us today would have been the same promise He gave to Judas. That there is no temptation taking you such as is a common to man. But God is faithful. And His faithfulness causes Him to do what? Always give us a way of escape when we're tempted to do something that violates God's will. Brethren, when we sin, it's our fault. We can't blame Satan. We can't blame circumstances. The responsibility of our sin lies at our own feet. And we're accountable and we will give account. Satan entered into the heart of Judas through that type of influence. But then I want you to notice what had to happen. And he went his way. Who? Satan? Judas. And communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted with to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Notice where Judas did this at. Number one, he did it in the absence of the multitude. All the followers of Jesus are over here with Jesus. Where's Judas? He's secretly going out by himself doing his bidding. Satan had entered into his heart. But guess what? How many times do we read in just those passages, Judas had to do something of his own will? Time and time and time again, didn't we? And he did it away from the multitude. Why did he do it away from the multitude? Isn't that when we do our sin? Don't we try to run and hide and commit our sin? And we run and hide from who? The people of God. Why do we do that? Well, because we understand within this body there's accountability. And it's hard for me to just sin right here in the presence of everybody because that's unacceptable. But I think by running out here by myself alone, I can go and do what I want to do. Guess what? God sees it. And when you get trapped in sin and you give in to Satan and you become entangled again and you give up your freedom and you're in bondage, your brethren begin to see it. They may not know for sure what's going on, but I rest assured they know something is. And that evidence of sin will eat away at you. It caused a man who was with Christ to betray Him. It caused a man who was chosen by God to fulfill the mission of ushering in the kingdom to be the one that betrayed the only begotten Son with a kiss. Rest assured, sin is powerful. 
and sin will destroy. And it led to the demise of Judas. In John chapter 13, as Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. Speaking of Judas. And then in Matthew 26, verse 25, at the supper, in that upper room, Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Jesus knew, didn't He? And now Judas's plan is in place. He's already made the agreement in secret. He's gotten his 30 pieces of silver. He's come now in the presence of the disciples. And guess what? Jesus has called him on it. He knows he's guilty. And where does he go? He runs out to go get those who are supporting him in his sin. So that he then can usher them in to capture and take into custody the Son of God. Do you feel guilty because of your sin? I do some work part-time at a psychiatric hospital. And one of the things we deal with a lot is what's called inappropriate guilt. And our culture is really good about trying to make guilt go away. But I want to tell you something. Guilt's a good thing. Guilt's a very good thing. You know why? Because guilt tells me I'm wrong. Guilt tells me when I've committed some atrocity or I've committed sin or I've violated the will of God, that guilt tells me in my heart, hey, this ain't right. You shouldn't have done that. You ever feel that way? I ask my boys all the time when they do something wrong, did you feel guilty about it? I want them to feel that guilt. Because if they're feeling guilt, that means their conscience is right. It's very dangerous when we get to a place where we can just go sin and we don't feel any guilt about it. And we're blazing with it and we just live it out in our life every day. And we don't care. We don't feel guilt. We ought to feel guilt. Judas felt guilt, didn't he? Now, did he handle his guilt in the wrong way? Did he have another option? But the guilt itself wasn't wrong. And if you young people feel guilty about something you've done, you need to understand you can always come to Christ with that guilt. But you need to feel guilt. Now, carrying inappropriate guilt is a, another subject. So I want to tell you, once you bring that guilt to Jesus Christ and you understand the forgiveness that He can give you from it, He can free you from that guilt. And you don't have to carry that burden anymore. But you still have accountability to God. Matthew 27 verse 3 says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. You know what that means? He felt remorse. He felt bad about what he did. The only thing about it is he didn't have godly sorrow that worked toward true repentance, which would have led him back to God, but instead, in his weakness and in his flesh, he dealt with that guilt and went and took his own life. 
After he repented himself, you know what? He brought again that 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying what? I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple, departed, and went and hanged himself. He departed. About the same time, what else was going on? Jesus has been arrested. As we talked about this morning, Jesus is being put on trial. But Judas is so consumed with his what? His guilt. And the gravity of what he had done wrong that he didn't want to go seek Jesus. Instead, he went and he took his own life. Did Judas have another option? We always have another option, don't we? We can always choose to handle our sin in a godly way. We understand we have sin. We understand we've fallen short. We understand that walking in the light doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but I have to deal with my sin. And I have to seek forgiveness from God. Did Judas know that? There's a couple of things I think if Judas had only remembered... This entire story about this man could have been one of the greatest stories of redemption of all time. But he didn't remember. He forgot what Jesus said in John 12, where Jesus said, If I be lifted up from the earth, will I, I will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Judas had forgotten that Jesus said, when I'm on that cross and I die and I give my life, guess what? I'm going to make an offering. I'm going to draw all men unto me. And just as we talked about this morning in witnessing that event and witnessing the calling of God to mankind, Jesus calls out today from that same cross and makes an offering to you and I that you can have the forgiveness of your sins. And if Judas had only remembered that in his weakness... Maybe he could have remembered Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31. Where Jesus said, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. What Judas had done as tragic, as heinous, as betraying as his sin was to Jesus Christ, what could he have had? He could have had forgiveness, couldn't he? He would have heard Jesus say those words, that all manner of sin will be forgiven to mankind. Judas's sin would have been included in that. And Judas, as he repented and he felt that remorse, instead of going and taking his own life, he could have said, you know what, I'll humbly bring it to my Lord, who's outside the city right now, dying on a cross. You know where Judas should have been was with the other disciples. He should have been there with John, accompanying Jesus' mother. He should have been there with those who looked up and saw a man giving his all for them. He should have been there gazing up at his Savior, thanking him for what he was doing that day. But instead, he went and found a tree and took his own life. I'll be honest with you, I wish that story had a different ending. 
Each of us has a story, don't we? Each of us has sin in our life, in our past, that probably made us feel guilt. Probably made us feel just as guilty as Judas. But thanks be to God that we recognize our Savior. Thanks be to God that we remember that all manner of sin can be forgiven and Jesus gives us a great calling and opportunity to come unto Him. Because you know what Judas could have heard that day? Judas could have been there at the cross and he could have heard Jesus cry out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But he wasn't there. Where are you at tonight? Where are you at with your sin? Are you toiling with guilt? With shame? Trying to handle sin on your own? It's a futile battle to fight. And you won't win unless you come to the cross of Christ. Where forgiveness is where the blood is still there, and where your sins can be forgiven. No matter how bad you think they are. Would it have taken Judas swallowing his pride to go watch Jesus die that day? Yeah, it would have. But it would have saved his soul. There's nothing worth losing your soul over, including your own pride. And I hope tonight that your story has a different outcome than Judas's. I hope that your story ends with redemption. I hope that your story ends with you coming to the cross and looking at your Savior and thanking Him for the forgiveness that He alone wants to give to you. Jesus didn't die in vain. He died for a purpose. He died for you. And tonight, if you have guilt over your sin, you need to resolve that. And the only way to resolve that is to seek the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Come obeying the gospel in baptism, where you're buried with Christ, coming in contact with that blood so that you might rise to walk in the newness of life, forgiven and free, not entangled with the guilt and sin of your past, but embracing the freedom that only Christ can provide. And if you'll do that, I want you to understand something. Your story will have a different outcome and your story will end with you being redeemed and standing with God right where He wants you to be. And if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you're a child of God, you've been redeemed. You've been baptized. You've come in contact with that blood and you know you took those initial steps, but you know in your heart that you've fallen away. You know in your heart that you've betrayed the calling that you've received. And you know something in your life needs to change. Don't be like Judas and try to handle it yourself. Come to Jesus through His invitation. Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Pick up the yoke of Jesus. Lay the burden of your own sin aside and let Jesus take care of that and you embrace the yoke of discipleship in serving a risen Savior today.
And if we can help you in any spiritual matter, we're going to stand in just a few minutes. Go ahead and get your songbooks out. Turn to the song that's been selected. And consider your life. Consider your standing with God. And consider the ending of your story. And I hope this evening that you'll draw nearer to the cross. Closer to God and the sacrifice that He made for you. Won't you come while we stand and sing? Appreciate very much the uh, the lesson from uh, Chase this afternoon. Well, so it starts our uh, our week long meeting. Our youth meeting begins uh, after services. We'll uh, need all the 
kiddos that are going to stay with us this week to kind of assemble on the first couple of pews and say goodbye to moms and dads and family and make sure you have your slips filled out so that we know who to call if something happens or if you're on any kind of medication or anything make sure you get those slips filled out and we'll have some words and let you guys and girls figure out what's going to happen this week i think michael's already got a challenge ready for you so we'll start we'll start this afternoon i know we're going to go out to uh, this afternoon out to mark's house uh, the kids are going to be in the fourth of july float uh, in the morning here in denton and uh, We've got a uh, scriptural-based float that we're putting together for the church, and we got to go out and do some painting and make some banners and get the uh, get the uh, float ready to go this afternoon. Then we'll meet at eight o'clock in the morning in downtown Denton and get ready for the parade. So it's early morning in the morning for us. Um, most of our assemblies this week will be at ten o'clock during the week, and we'll have a singing service and. Brother Michael's going to teach that, and Brother Chase will have a message for the young folks in the morning, and then we'll have lunch here. And then from 1 till usually 3 or 3.30, we've got different activities planned through the week. Some of those are fun, and some of those are service activities. Uh, We're going to be visiting with our first responders here in Denton and uh, just doing some other stuff as well, having some fun. I think Saturday we're going to spend the day out with the Logans. They've always got a fun day of activities planned for us out there. Um, I'm hopeful to stay in the air conditioning and play some dominoes, but the kids can run and play. In the, you know, there'll be volleyball. There'll be all kinds of games going on. There is a uh, PDF version of our uh, events on the church Facebook page. If you uh, don't have access to that, I think Kent volunteered to print some. So if you'll just get with Kent, he can get you one printed out. If you need it for the week, we're going to visit. We're going to go sing at nursing homes, and we're also going to go to an escape room. I think it's got some Bible verses, and kids are going to try to escape out of the escape room this this week as well. So, all kinds of uh, activities uh, planned for the for the youth uh, this week. If you happen to have a bulletin, I know they were handed out this morning. Remember the prayer list that's on the back. Take that with you this week. Pray for all of those that uh, that are uh, in need of our prayers. I don't know of any other announcements. Do uh, any of the men have anything else before we dismiss? Again, th- services every night at seven thirty this uh, this next week. That's right. Thanks. Thanks, Brother Eddie. If nothing, uh, if nothing further, we'll, uh, we'll have a closing song and ask you to stand for that. Brother Michael will lead that. And Brother David Richburg, would you close with a word of prayer after that song? Thank you, sir. 63. 63. 63. No, I will.